Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to Romans chapter 10. You say, we're in Romans chapter uh, 13 tonight in the evening service. Why are we back in chapter 10 of Romans? Well, we finished Colossians. And uh, before we start another series through a book, I thought it'd be helpful to just have some practical messages about basic Christian living. We have three uh, pillars, three goals that are stated here at Grace Baptist Church. They're with the letter E, evangelize, edify, and exalt. We want to evangelize the lost who need to hear the gospel. We need to edify one another as we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And everything should do, be done to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning I'd like us to challenge ourselves about this matter of evangelism or witnessing to others. Evangelism is something that really springs from the heart of God. I think all of us know John 3.16. That's probably the first verse that any of the, the world is ever confronted with. And in that verse, three great truths that God loved the world that he sent his son, and then he gave him an invitation for whosoever believeth to have everlasting life. And in that sending of his son, we see that also in the disciples. Jesus told the disciples in John 20, 21, as my father hath sent me, even so send I you. And so there is this heartbeat of God to evangelize, to get the message of salvation to the world, and he does that through us. It was evidently the burden of Christ when he wept over Jerusalem in Matthew 23, 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen gathereth her, her chickens under her wings, and you would not. It was also Paul's burden for the Israelites as he wrote, I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. It was obvious uh, the, the, the prayer of Moses for Israel when he came down from the mountain with the tablets of God and saw them worshiping the golden calf. He, he went back to the Lord, and the Lord said, I, I'm done with this people. And he said, Lord, now if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. And I wonder how burdened are we for those who are lost. It was John Knox who declared, give me Scotland or I die. It was the declaration of John Wesley, the world is my parish. It's a cry of parents in the middle of the night, weeping over a wayward child. And that person that you might meet tomorrow or this week, could be that child of someone who's praying for them. We must never lose focus on lost souls who need to be saved. The verse here that we'll read here, Romans 10, will be in 13 through 17, but primarily want to focus on verse 17. It has uh, three elements that are essential for salvation. Romans 10, 13, let's begin reading there. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, 
and hearing by the Word of God. Three essentials for salvation. Faith, hearing, and the Word of God. These three essentials are given really in the reverse order of how they take place. We would think, let's start with the Word and then believe that and have faith, or hear that and have faith. But I think they're in this order to emphasize why it's necessary for faith, or what is necessary for faith. People wonder, do I have enough faith? Did I say the right thing? Is my faith real? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And to the unbeliever, he sees in that verse the words hoped for, not seen. And he says faith is uncertain. It's intangible. It's mystical. The believer reads the same verse and says, No, I see a faith that has a solid foundation. Faith is the substance, the reality of what's hoped for. And it's the evidence, that substantial proof that's needed of what's not seen. And so we see faith accepts that as a great foundation of promises of God. So let's consider these three essentials for salvation found in Romans 10, 17. For the first essential is faith. Salvation requires faith. You cannot be saved without faith. Just about every theologian I know is going to agree on that point. So let's look at the definition of faith. What is faith? Faith is simply belief. We've said that before, that the word translated faith or belief in our, in our English translation is the same word in the Greek language. You, uh, belief is, is agreeing to accept what God says is true. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So you must believe the reality of God's existence, that he is. And then you believe that he rewards those who diligently seek him. You might think about that and say, well, wait a minute. In Romans 3.11, it says that no one seeks after God. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. And the same word in Romans 3.11 is the seek in Hebrews 11.6. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So how can it say in one, in one place we need to seek him, and in another place nobody seeks him? Well, it means that it is not our natural inclination of our heart to seek God. We are caught up with so many things, so many distractions, that our hearts are content not to seek him. There are other verses that tell us to seek God. Jeremiah 29, 13, And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. We get to the New Testament, Matthew 7, 7. Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and ye shall find Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Paul's sermon on Mars Hill in Acts chapter 17 said that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. And so this belief, this faith that we have is to seek God. There is a false faith that will never save anybody. It's a faith that demons have. James 2.19 Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. What kind of belief is it talking there? The same word for pestuo means faith that we see all through the New Testament. And so what does it mean that the demons believe? What is that, that false faith? It's a mental intellectual agreement 
with a truth, but it may not be anything that changes your life. You don't place your trust in what you know to be true. And so genuine faith acts upon what it believes. It's obedient faith. There's a response of the will. Lewis Berry Schaefer was a co-founder of Dallas Theological Seminary. He has a, a, series, a set of uh, systematic theology books. There are seven volumes in the set. He said this in another book that he wrote called True Evangelism, saving faith may thus be defined as a voluntary turning from all hope and grounds based on self-merit and assuming an attitude of expectancy toward God, trusting him to do a perfect saving work based only on the merit of Christ. That is a great definition of what faith means, saving faith is. There's a word used by people in Scotland, and it's called lippin. It's used to describe someone who's unable to support themselves. So he commits everything to someone else or to something else. An illustration, it could be a person that's crossing a stream on a plank, and he'll say he will lippin to the plank. Dr. Thomas Chalmers was a minister in Edinburgh. He was visiting a woman who was dying, and she had the hardest time understanding what it meant to be saved. What did she need to do? It seemed impossible for him to describe what it meant to trust Christ. And she said, I would fain do as you bid me, but I dinna can know, or dinna can how, I do not know how, how I can trust in Christ. He finally said in the dialect she understood, just lippin to him. And she said, is that all? Yeah. Yes, lean on him and you will never perish. And that's what she needed to hear to understand. That's faith, believing faith, a reliance, an utter dependence upon the saving work of Jesus Christ, leaving aside anything that we might think we could earn salvation with and realizing it's Christ who did it all, who paid the price. The object of our faith. German theologian Søren Kierkegaard called faith a qualitative leap, and others have quoted him and called it a blind leap in the dark. Spurgeon argues that point of faith. Faith is not blind. Listen to what he says. Faith is not a blind thing, for faith begins with knowledge. It is not a speculative thing, for faith believes facts of which it is sure. It is not an unpractical, dreamy thing, for faith trusts and stakes its destiny upon the truth of revelation. When you read through the Bible and find that word faith, you'll find that it's included with an object of faith. Matthew, Mark 11, 22, have faith in God. Acts 3, 16, faith in his name. Acts 24, 24, faith in Christ. Romans 3, 25, faith in his blood. Galatians 3, 26, faith in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1, 15, faith in the Lord Jesus. You see what faith is? Faith doesn't depend on how much I can trust something else. It's what I'm trusting in. Your faith is as strong as the object of your faith. And so mustard seed faith is all that's necessary as long as your faith is in Jesus Christ. I'm glad our faith is real. It has substance. There is evidence. 
The strength of, of your Christian faith is determined upon the object of your faith. There was an early traveler, and we've heard this story many times in the days of the, of the West, when he came to the Mississippi River, he found that there was no bridge. Fortunately, it was winter, and the great river was covered with a coat of ice. The traveler, though, was afraid to step out onto that ice, not knowing how thick it was. Finally, with infinite caution, he started creeping on his hands and knees, managed to make it halfway across the Mississippi. And then he heard loud singing from behind him. And he turned, and out of the dusk came a man driving four, a four-horse load of coal over the ice, singing as he went. <laughs> your faith is as strong as the object of your faith. Your salvation is not based on your ability, your qualifications, your works. It's based on the finished work of Christ, and that is secure. Notice the expression of faith. Faith is the response of the human heart to the grace of God. Some say that faith is, faith is from God, that God gives you faith. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, familiar verses. I used to look at this verse and really scratch my head, and I couldn't come up with, with a, an answer that suited me. But I found in reading A.T. Robertson, a Greek scholar, of uh, a great explanation of this verse. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. And so I ask myself, does that refer to faith or does that refer to grace? And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. That is, does God give us faith? Does God give us grace? What is this talking about? Not of works, lest any man should boast. And so the question, is grace the gift of God or is faith? Well, Robertson said that the article that, in Ephesians 2.8, is neuter not feminine, and so refers not to faith, faith is in the feminine form, or to grace, which is also in feminine. So it's neither one of them. But, he says, to the act of being saved by grace conditioned on faith on our part. Paul shows that salvation does not have its source in men, but from God. Besides, it is God's gift and not the result of our work. So Spurgeon, in his little book entitled All of Grace, argues this point precisely. He says, salvation is God's work, but man must respond to God's invitation. Man is encouraged to place in his faith in Christ. And in Scripture, we see that that's to be done immediately. We read in 2 Corinthians 2.6, the second half of the verse, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. If you've been waiting, saying, someday I'll get around to it, don't put it off any longer. Accept Christ now. Now is the day of salvation. J.B. Easton wrote the following words. They're put to music, I believe. The Spirit came, or the Spirit turned away. I've seen it in different hymnals. He says, the Spirit came in childhood and pleaded, let me in. But oh, the door was bolted by thoughtlessness and sin. I'm too young, the child replied. I will not yield today. There's time enough tomorrow. The spirit went away. Again he came and pleaded in youth's bright, happy hour. He came but heard no answer. For lured by Satan's power, the youth lay dreaming then and saying, Not today, nor till I've tried all earth's pleasures. The spirit went away. Again he called in mercy in manhood's vigorous prime. 
but still he found no welcome. The merchant had no time, no time for true repentance, no time to think or pray, and so repulsed and saddened, the spirit went away. Once more he called and waited. The man was old and ill. He scarcely heard the whisper. His heart was cold and still. Give, leave me. Go, leave me. When I need thee, I'll call for thee, he cried. Then sinking on his pillow, without a hope, he died. If you haven't responded to God's invitation to be saved, do it today. Put your faith in Christ. Believe in the work that he's done and be saved. So faith is essential for salvation. Now we come to that word hearing. Faith cometh by hearing. When the gospel is preached, some hear and believe, others hear and remain open, think I may respond to that, and others hear and refuse to believe. When Paul preached at Mars Hill in Athens, we read in Acts 17, And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again. So some heard, some mocked, and mocked. Some heard and said, We'll hear again of this matter. Verse 33, So Paul departed from among them, howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed. It's possible to hear and not believe. So when we talk about faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God, it is possible for some people to hear the word of God, to hear the gospel of salvation and say, no, it's not for me, I'm not going to believe that. But it is not possible to believe without hearing. They must hear. And so there is this responsibility on our shoulders to tell others the good news, the gospel. Generally, we think of this matter of hearing as something that takes place during a formal declaration of an evangelist or some pastor in a service. But hearing is when any words are, are listened to and understood. That's why some wives say, he, he listened, but he didn't hear me. Yeah, selective hearing. So, so there has to be this hearing, this communication that takes place that's absorbed. I used to have people ask me when we were working with the deaf people, how can they be saved with this verse? It says faith comes by hearing. They don't hear it. What's well, the understanding of it? Whether it's through sign language or the written printed word, a gospel track, someone has to be uh, conscious of the message. It has to be understood. And that takes, takes place when we give out the gospel. Are you giving out the message to anyone that Jesus saves? The manner of delivering the good news of salvation. We need to be careful how we give it out. Our life needs to match what we are saying to other people. If you are telling them Christ can radically transform your life and give you joy, and they look at you and say, well, I don't see it. There has to be something that's evident in your own life. Spurgeon lists seven tools to be an effective evangelist or one who witnesses for Christ. He says, holiness of character is important. Your spiritual life is necessary. A humble spirit, living faith, thorough earnestness, simplicity of heart, and complete surrender. Other people have given different lists, but we need to make sure that our hearts are right with the Lord so that we can adequately tell others how they can be saved. But then Spurgeon reminds us, 
that it's not up to us to save people. We don't do that. We witness. We tell of Christ, and God does the saving. Spurgeon writes this, No minister living can save a soul, nor can all of us together, nor all the saints on earth or in heaven work regeneration in a single person. The whole business on our part is the height of absurdity unless we regard ourselves as used by the Holy Spirit and filled with his power. What's the message that people need to hear? The word gospel, mentioned before, euangelion in the Greek, comes from a prefix, which means good, and a suffix, which means good news or news or a message. And so the good news consists of three major elements that Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, there's his death, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And so we have three elements of the gospel. Man is a sinner. Jesus died for our sins. He took our punishment. He was buried and rose the third day. Jesus fulfilled the scriptures proving that he was God by raising from the dead. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And a child can listen to that message, and when the Holy Spirit does a work in their heart, they can respond to it and be saved. Childlike faith. The methods that we give out the good news can be different, can be varied. The message is always the same. But each of us, if we were to have a testimony service this morning, some would say, well, I came to know Christ through a camp ministry. Maybe some was, was in a battlefield on some war somewhere, and they had, they had known the gospel, they had heard the gospel, and responded to it there. Some have been driving their cars, listening to a radio. They pull off the road, and they accept Christ. I've heard those testimonies. Some are saved during evangelistic crusades. Some are saved in family devotions. There are different methods of how, what God uses. But the gospel message is always the same. Now, there are some methods I don't think we should use. I don't think it's, it's right to deliver a holy gospel message through unholy means. Now, that's why the music we sing needs to match the message that we preach. That's why we don't, we don't pay people to come to, 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 to be saved. We don't preach a prosperity gospel. We don't say, if you say this prayer, all your problems are going to go away, because it's not true. Most of them start having problems when they come to Christ and salvation. So there are methods that are not used, but God uses different methods to reach people. Let's do it in a, in a proper way. Three essentials. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Salvation does require God's word. We just read 1 Corinthians 15.3, where I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. It's the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's in verse 4. But in 3 it says, He died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And we need to use the Scriptures when we're witnessing to people. Unfortunately, I've heard many people who have given a testimony of salvation, and I say, How can you, what do you base, is there a Bible verse you can base that testimony on? No. We need to use the scriptures. You say, well, I don't know them that well. Write them down. If you're going to give a, 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 
testimony at a business meeting. You write things down on a three by five card. You want to make sure that you say the right things. Let's be prepared to share the gospel with people. Let's have some verses at our, at our fingertips. 1 John 1, verse 1 says, That which is from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. And the disciples are there. It's a capital W in that first verse, because he is the word. Jesus Christ is the word of life. And now they're declaring it to others. 1 John 1, 3, That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Two verses later, This then is the message that we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And so our words, our message is crucial and has to be about Jesus Christ. Go to the scriptures that show that man is a sinner. And God provides the only remedy for sin. Romans 3.23, all are sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Take a gospel track with you. That has verses in it. Romans 5.8, Christ died for sinners, but God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6.23, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so go to them with these verses. Use verses that show that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Peter preached in Jerusalem, neither is there salvation in any other, speaking of Christ. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the only way to heaven. We need to explain that when we're talking to a person who wants to know how to be saved. Show that Jesus paid the price for their sin on the cross. I love Ephesians 1.7. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Explain how to receive Christ. Paul with the Philippian jailer said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. John 1.12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. There again is that word believe, and it's, it's connected with receive here. How does a person receive Christ? Romans 10.9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. What wonderful verses. Romans 10.13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Explain to someone. Take the time as the pastor in Scotland did and say, Lippen to him. Find out what they understand. Tell them how to trust in Christ. The scriptural words are, Believe that he died for your sins. Receive him as your personal Savior. Confess him before men. Call upon his name. Have some verses that you can share with people. I love the verses that R.A. Torrey gives in a little booklet called Personal Work. I've had them printed. They're on a table in the, in the lobby. Make sure that you get one. But they go through some of the, the arguments that people give. I can't get saved. I'm too great a sinner. He gives a verse for that. I'll lose all my friends. He gives a verse for that. Uh, Christians are inconsistent. How many times do you tell people, I don't want to go to church. It's full of hypocrites. Well, there's room for one more, you know. <laughs> we're, we're better to find. Or you're saying that a hypocrite's closer to God than you are, you know. Don't let that happen. But anyway, there's a verse there. Uh, I've done a great wrong, and I'll, I'll never, I'll have to make it right. 
And I don't want to. There's a verse for that. God seems to me unjust and cruel. He has several verses that uh, will be a helpful tool if you'll carry those with you. Be ready. Look, man's greatest need, man's greatest need, it's not health, it's not finances, it's not peace. Man's greatest need is to have forgiveness of his sins. And that's available. And we know the answer. We know the message. Let's not withhold it. Let's give it to those that we meet. There aren't any chance encounters in this life. The people that you meet today, tomorrow, this week, are the ones that God has placed in your life by divine appointment. Don't waste an opportunity to share with them the greatest message that they need to hear. Let's bow for prayer. Father in heaven, I pray that you would help us to commit to witnessing to one person this week, just one. I pray that you would help us to ask you to lay that person on our hearts. Maybe it's somebody we already know that we'll see this week. Maybe it's someone that you've just ordained to be in our lives. And I pray that we won't miss those opportunities but that we'll be bold in our witness that our lives will be filled with your Spirit so there's nothing hindering us to tell someone else of the most wonderful news that they could ever hear, that Jesus Christ died, not for someone else, not just for someone else, but for them, and help them to respond to the gospel and receive Christ as Savior. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.